0: The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Bart Walker.
1: How in the world are you today? Welcome in. It's a Thursday and uh, we're well into fall feels like fall starting to look like fall uh, if you're in the right place it looks even more like fall uh, the right place would be new hampshire and stuff like that i guess uh we were up in chattanooga last weekend and i was expecting it to look a little more like fall but i guess we didn't go farther if we'd gone more Maybe up into the tops of Gatlinburg and stuff like that. Maybe it looks like fall there. But uh, pretty soon, it's gonna all look like fall. And this area has some of the most beautiful fall colors once it hits. Uh, if you're new to the area, especially uh, in Cannon County, uh, or if you go out to I-24, the Buchanan exit uh, on over toward Woodbury, uh, you see some of the most beautiful call, fall colors there, uh, and and the the hillsides and the valleys and everything. It almost feels like uh, like you're up in Gatlinburg or something. Uh, inexpensive way to 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 get there and enjoy that. And uh, uh, Justin Stefansky is with us this morning from the uh, Ag Center. Justin, good morning to you. Good morning. Good to be here. Uh, are you seeing? A, a lot of fall colors yet or- not
2: quite yet i think we're still a couple weeks out you know it's been so dry here recently i was afraid we might not have much fall color i'm, I'm worried that the leaves will go from green to brown and to the ground
1: i'm seeing a lot on the ground yeah. already so uh, that usually uh, I, I guess right after the colors hit uh, you start seeing them on the ground in big yes, numbers sir. yeah
2: usually once they start turning it's not long i mean we may have a a weak window of peak fall color in some seasons, it's not even that long. Yeah, yeah, so I'm hopeful, though. We have a little rain forecasted for today. Maybe it'll keep those leaves on the trees a few weeks longer, and hopefully we'll get some beautiful colors here in the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, everybody's ready for that uh, fall colors. We were talking with Gloria Christie a little earlier today, and they are all set to take some photographs of people uh, enjoying fall with the fall colors around them. Let me ask you this. Uh, with fall coming along, Uh, are there any things that people need to think about, uh, getting rid of the leaves? We've had some people say, don't get rid of the leaves. I I don't know what to do. Do we get rid of them? Do we get them? What do we do?
2: Well, there's a couple ways we can look at it. You know, if you have, in my situation, I have large oak trees in my backyard. And if I let those leaves hit the ground and leave them there, I'll have a foot of leaves all winter long. Now, any grass that's underneath there is certainly not going to be very happy but in most cases, I will try to mulch the leaves if I can with my lawnmower, or I'll rake them actually into my landscaping beds and let them decompose. They turn into great mulch and good composted soil. So there's a lot of people that will argue against raking up leaves because they're a great overwintering source for insects and, and certain mammals. Um, you know, They certainly are beneficial to wildlife the worst thing you can do is probably rake them up and put them in those bags and set them on the tree lawn Uh, that to me is a waste of resources and it's certainly not good for the environment so if you can rake them up and put them in strategic spots like i do at my house that's certainly one option or if you're fortunate where you don't have too many trees and it's just a thin layer of leaves if you don't mind looking at them i would leave them on the ground because they will certainly break down and they'll add a great layer of, of organic matter to your soil
1: now if if you have just a few do you want to go over them with the lawnmower and mulch them up? I always thought if you left big leaves on the ground it would kill the grass.
2: It certainly can, absolutely. You know, that's usually what I'll do too. Any areas that I won't rake up into my flower beds, I'll I'll get the mulching blades on the mower and you know it breaks those leaves down to a smaller size and it will certainly help the grass for sure but yeah if it's real big leaf surfaces and they get real wet and you know in the middle of winter those leaves will be thick and wet and dense and any turf that's under there is certainly going to struggle so yeah if you can mulch them with your lawnmower that would certainly be beneficial
1: we have a listener who uh, writes they said they moved here from east tennessee up in the uh, hills of uh, outside of the uh, indian reservation and they always heard that uh, their indian brothers would uh would would grow grass in the snow and thought it was a good idea uh is that a wives tale or has that grow been proven or disproven no well certain turf I mean, throw types, the, you know throw the seeds in the snow
2: well you know there there's there's a challenge with that you know i don't know if that's something that certainly we wouldn't promote today uh you know a lot of grass seeds you know we usually say don't sow any seed after Halloween you know those are the conditions that I are ideal that. Okay. yeah Halloween's kind of our our end of season so for grass date yeah um, you know a lot of grass needs conditions that are mild to germinate you know you're looking at daytime temps in the 60s and 70s and nighttime temperatures anywhere from 40 to 60 once you get past those points uh, you know you may get some germination but those tender seedlings if we have a freezing event they certainly will have a chance of dying if they're not well established with root systems basically that's what we're trying to achieve by by sowing grass in October, you know, the conditions are mild, those seeds will pop up and they'll be able to set out some tiny roots and then they'll overwinter a whole lot easier. So trying to sow it into the snow, I certainly think you would probably get some seed to germinate, but how long it would last, I don't know.
1: Hmm, okay. yeah. Uh, follow up on that question, this person, uh, another person says, since you're talking about folklore, uh, they were wondering, they had always heard that uh, some folks would used to plant uh, dead fish that's mm-hmm. what it says with the, <laughs> I, and they don't say if it was gardens or grass but why would you put dead fish
2: out well, there well that is a great source of fertilizer and believe it or not you know the first the first uh, settlers that came to north america uh, you know the jamestown colony there's stories of the native american population there befriended the settlers and said, "Here, you need to do this with your crops. Their crops were struggling so badly that they gave them, you know, the fish innerts and the fish parts and said, "This is what we do. We plant this in the furrows and in the rows." And it really? helped their crops because it as those fish decompose in the soil, it's an excellent source of fertilizer. So, so
1: there is something
2: to that. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, and I don't necessarily recommend doing it today. That'd be a stinky mess, I think. <laughs> but it was certainly it wasn't just folklore. It was a real thing, and it truly did help the first settlers that came to this this continent. Sur- Survive those first couple of winters.
1: So that's something you would do in the garden. Is that right? You do it in
2: the garden. You, I mean, any any plant would benefit from Even this. Even grass. Grass would benefit. Sure. I mean, it would be more concentrated to just those areas, but certainly yeah. it's probably the most benefit in a garden setting.
1: Uh, what would you do? Do you you don't just lie it on the ground? Uh, what do you till it in? Or
2: yeah, you would basically want it to be within the soil. You know, you'd want to probably plant it down several inches. Uh, where the root zone is basically that's where those roots need to be feeding on that fertilization that's occurring as those fish break down so yeah several inches under the soil absolutely
1: so if you were putting it in your yard and had not been getting a a good stand of grass when you what is the thing that go rolls through your yard and
2: plugs the aeration aerator yeah is that when you would do it um if you were going to use fish yeah um I, I guess in theory that would be a, an optimal time to do that yeah that would help uh get that into that soil surface but again i certainly wouldn't advocate for throwing out fish in your yard for grass there's better how
1: long would it smell pretty right yeah
2: i think it would be pretty disgusting yeah your neighbors <laughs> would probably not be happy what are they doing and every stray cat <laughs> within a quarter mile would be in your front yard <laughs> kitty (laughs) yeah or possums or any other animal that was curious
1: yeah well moles already find their ways around (laughs) pretty well so i wonder if it would attract them or distract them
2: (laughs) well yeah that's debatable maybe there's a research opportunity for ut
1: (laughs) (laughs) our phone number is 615-893-1450 if you have a comment just text it to us or a question text it to us 615-893-1450 And uh, we have a lot of issues right now with uh, the season change. I guess that's always an exciting time of the year. You don't know exactly when to stop doing one thing and Mm -hmm. start up the next. Uh, Is there a bad time to stop mowing your yard uh, or should you just sort of do it as long as it's
2: needed do it as long as it's needed and you know as well as i do uh you know the fall and winters here early winters they're unpredictable you know we think back to last year it was very mild until that christmas eve you know december 23rd freeze so you know i was mowing my lawn all the way up until december 24th last year and if you have a certain type of turf grass a cool season grass it'll grow all through the winter so there are certain folks myself included i'll be mowing grass pretty much all through the winter and into spring so just keep mowing it as long as it keeps growing.
1: Here's a person who says they have free firewood. They say it's down, but it's dry and green. Uh, uh, is that something that people could use now?
2: Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they can take it home and let it age. You'd want to let it dry out a little bit. but How yeah. long would you dry it? Uh, it probably needs to dry out at least six or seven months. It's probably oh, okay. ideal. So yeah.
1: this is something you'd get now and use next season. Use it season. for next
2: fall. Absolutely.
1: Okay. All right. So, uh, good point there. Uh, what uh, what time should they start renovating and, and preparing their lawn equipment to uh, be put away for the year? And what should they do to protect it for the next season?
2: You know, a lot of things that people don't realize is that start your if you have a uh, a riding lawnmower, start that sucker up through the winter. I made this mistake last year. I let my zero-turn mower sit in the shop all winter long, didn't start it up, and my battery was dead when I came Uh to start it in the spring. So, you know, simple things like that. Uh, Going in, there's some winterizer treatments you can put into your gas tank. You know, a lot of this ethanol gasoline now, it does not stay as stable or it doesn't store as well into the mower's engines, uh, and it can cause some issues there with clogging up fuel filters and whatnot. So having some of those winter fuel additives are good. And just doing some routine maintenance. You know, get under the deck, clean out that grass. You don't want all that thick grass to be clumped up there all winter long. It could cause some mold issues and whatnot. So, uh, you know, keep using your mower, though, until the grass stops growing. But certainly, you know, you want to make sure you take care of the engine. That's probably the biggest thing you want to look out for in the wintertime and the battery.
1: Here's an interesting question. Times are changing. This person says they were in one of our advertisers uh, earlier in the summer. And they had an electric riding Mm mower, and they got it and have loved it ever since. But that's something you don't need to uh, fool with too much, they've said, throughout the season. They just plug it in, and it it goes. Uh, What kind of maintenance should
2: they do? You know, I'm not as well versed on electric or battery operated mowers. I would certainly consider though, you still have blades, you still have a mowing deck. You know, make sure you clean that deck out. It's a great time to sharpen those blades. Those blades will get dull. It's amazing how quickly a lawnmower blade will dull just through regular grass mowing. Uh, So that's an opportunity for you. If if you're not using it through the winter, get those blades off or take it to a professional, have them sharpen the blades, Um, you know, look at your tire pressures, you know, things like that. So there are still some conventional lawnmower parts on those electric or battery powered mowers. So certainly look at some of those, you know, blades, wheels, mowing deck, things like that. Make sure all that's in good working order for the spring.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the blades because that's one thing that I was always negligent of. uh, You and me both. With push mowers, (laughs) uh, I would just. I'd, I'd use it for years and yep. then i wonder why is it not doing as well as it used to and of course the blade was dull as yeah, absolutely can be. uh and and i would get a new blade instead of it would just stick a new blade yep. on it Um uh, how often should you have it sharpened uh and and i never was really good at sharpening them I could make them good and dull, but I couldn't sharpen them. Uh, what do you take them off and just take them to the hardware store or
0: something? Well, you
2: could take them off, or if you're if you're careful, you can use uh, ramps. You know, this is what I use for my zero term mower. I, I pull it up on the ramps, and I'm able to get underneath the mower. Now, this is dangerous. Obviously, you want to make sure you know what you're doing. But certainly, if you can get them off, you know, sharpening probably twice a year would be a good minimum. I'll usually I, I do it now. I haven't always done this, but I've I've learned there my ways exactly. Because <laughs> I had the same issue. You you mow one. Year, it's great, and the next year you're noticing some grass clippings that you know those grass edges they don't really look as sheared But I'll I'll sharpen mine in the spring before the season starts and I'll probably take my blades off here in a few weeks and do it again.
1: Now Mitchell, whenever he's been on in the past, uh when we start talking about lawnmowers, he loves those uh the old fashioned turn blades like Like my grandparents used to have. Uh,
2: The rotary style. Yeah.
1: Uh, Is that still, I guess it is still popular.
2: Well, you see them used on golf courses. You know, that that type of a blade setup. Yep. You know, those are going to give you the most the, the optimum cutting conditions it's going to be by a rotary blade. They get low to the ground. They're as sharp as can be. And you think a you know, conventional lawnmower blade has one blade surface, whereas those rotary mowers, they're making contact with blades almost continually because they have multiple blades within that roller. So, yeah, they are still used. Now, the old school ones, I remember I grew up in the city in Cleveland, and some of the old timers still had the old fashioned push kind, and they'd be well, out But they in their still yard, sell them. And they still sell them. You can still buy them. I considered getting one for my backyard. I have a little putting green out in my backfield and I thought maybe this will work, but it just didn't get quite low enough for the deck height. But yeah, those are still out there. And you know, if you're if you're wanting to burn some calories, that's a great way to do it.
1: Raleigh Holden up on the square at Holden Hardware. I love going in that place. It's like stepping back in time. Yeah. The old wooden floors and, and oh, you can, yeah. you you just feel fun. It's just fun. It's history. And he has those push mowers mm-hmm. uh, which are great. So uh and he also has sleds. Uh, we probably need those.
2: I think this winter we're going to need them. I've heard It's my some- prediction. My oak trees right now are so full of acorns. You know, I always use the trees as my barometer, my walnuts and my oak trees. My goodness gracious, I can't walk three feet without nearly tripping in my backfield because there's so many seeds and and fruits that have fallen. So I think when trees put off a lot of acorns or a lot of walnuts, this is just me speaking from my own personal experience. There's no research to back this up at all, but I certainly think we may be in for a snowy winter this year. You have any persimmons?
1: Uh, I don't right? have
2: persimmons. Okay, because
1: I've heard a lot of people opening those
2: and looking at that. Yeah, there, is it a
1: spoon or is it a knife or is it a the button? shape of it? And and they're seeing a lot of spoons. Yep which is shovels for the yeah, snow exactly <laughs>
2: yeah it's pretty interesting stuff you know I, I think there's a little bit of truth to those
1: i think there is too
2: absolutely
1: what about woolly worms have you yeah. seen many you know, i haven't seen as many
2: this year as i usually do so but the ones that i have seen they've been jet black i mean they've uh-huh. been all black so, so that so. goes right along absolutely so i think we're in for a, a cold snowy winter
1: tell us uh all of you if you have seen woolly worms If you've seen the persimmons, what did you find? Uh, Acorns and what else was Uh, it? Black walnuts. My black Black walnuts
2: have just been absolutely abundant this year.
1: So, you know, if you're seeing some of those, let us know if you are finding that uh, and and has it been true in previous years as well. Uh, Number to text or, or call us. A lot of people don't like to text. If you want to, we will take phone calls, too. Uh, and do it the old-fashioned way, <laughs> 615-893-1450. Same number for both talking or texting, 615-893-1450. Uh, a listener wanting to add some color to their yard, especially when the leaves all fall off and things start looking a little dreary. Mm-hmm. What should they add to be colorful?
2: There's two great plants that are out there that will be flowering throughout the winter. Violas or pansies?
1: Violas or pansies. Violas or
2: pansies. They're both related. Violas will have a smaller flower. Pansies is a little larger. Beautiful colors. They're usually purple, white, yellow, orange, you name it. Sometimes there are a variation of colors. And these plants, they really love the conditions in in fall, early winter, and then in the springtime. All the way through summer, they'll just keep on blooming. So it gives you a little splash of color when everything else is, is brown and gray.
1: Now are they pretty easy to take care They're of?
2: Extremely easy. You just don't want to overwater them. A lot of people make the mistake. They start throwing water on them in the fall when it's real dry. But other than that, you know, a little little granulated fertilizer here and there, but you don't even have to do that. They are very easy to take care of.
1: Our phone number is 615-893-1450. Justin Stefanski is with us this morning. He's an extension agent with the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service over on John Weiss Boulevard. Tomorrow's one of the farmers markets. We'll be back and talk about that. Not too many left to the end of this month. And that's almost here.
0: Talk Radio WGNS, putting the power of your free speech into action on air and online at WGNSradio.com. Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders like our pastas and many other items that we used to be able to put them in large pans. And now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up. Look up our catering menu on www.demasrestaurants.com. This is Peter Demas at Demas' Restaurant. 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro.
2: Here in Tennessee, most dogs and cats benefit from year-round flea and tick prevention. Here at Animal City, we are able to help. This is Amanda at Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family make sure to adventure through our
0: small animal department downstairs. Your next furry friend may be waiting for you. Hedgehogs, guinea pigs, hamsters, and so many other friends. We're celebrating our 33rd anniversary. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street, Murfreesboro. Good morning. Still a little bit of traffic volume trying to get in from Rutherford County, Murfreesboro, and it's moving right now on 24 westbound up by Bell Road, Haywood Lane. Still a lot of volume there by the airport coming in through Hermitage, Donaldson on 40 westbound, and Donaldson Pike. That's what we're checking out live. Still some slow traffic at times. 65 southbound down to Millersville as you come through that section of Sumner County. Prince's Hot Chicken is hiring at all four locations. You can check out that awesome menu today at princeshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on time traffic. These spotty rain showers possible late this afternoon, partial sunshine develops a high in the low 70s, southwest winds at 10 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as twenty-five. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vojchitski on News Radio WGNS. Currently it's 58. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We are your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. When the weather's at its worst, we're at our best. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro, FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, TV 11.
1: Hey, welcome back. Happy birthday to Jack Britton, our winner of that delicious banana pudding from Slick Pig Barbecue. Our good neighbor of the day is Anthony Fishback. Anthony gets flowers from Jenny Harrison and the family at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts over on Academy Street. You can get yours there too. Go by and say hello to Jenny. The thing about Anthony, the person who nominated him said he's always loving people for who they are, never judging and showing people the right way. He just encourages others. We need more people like that. Anthony, thanks for all you're doing. I tell you, I just happened to be over uh, at uh, one of our restaurants yesterday, where the lady had just been nominated as the good neighbor. She was glowing. I mean, <laughs> uh, and I uh, went there. Yes, I heard you on the radio this morning, and she, she just smiled and.
2: My wife got nominated to be the good neighbor several oh, cool. so years ago, and let me tell you, that made her month. Oh yeah. She was thrilled.
1: If you see somebody that really impresses you, go the extra mile maybe just encouraging people, being that sunshine on a cloudy day. Absolutely. Let us know who they are. We need more about more people like
2: Amen that. Amen to that.
1: So uh, our phone number again, 615-893-1450. Justin Stefanski is with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. Justin, we were mentioning that we're almost at the end of the season. Or the farmers market yes, last sir. last uh, what is it Friday? next Friday
2: will be the last market next day.
1: Friday wow so you got
2: three more days you got this Friday Tuesday and next Friday and then it is don't it for the season them. don't miss it wow that farmers market is so awesome I tell you what if you folks if you haven't been out there Tuesdays it's an excellent opportunity to meet the producers here in the local area but then Fridays we have artisans and craftspeople on one side of the community center and then we have food trucks. Uh, Heather Lambert, our market manager, has done a fantastic job this year of getting food trucks out there. So, uh, you know, at the market is an awesome opportunity for you guys to, to see some of our local farmers and producers and some of our local artisans as well.
1: Now, you have a lot of different things at the farmer's market people don't think about. Mm-hmm. We have uh, occasionally some of the master gardeners on the air with mm-hmm. us, they're out there answering questions also.
2: Absolutely. So over at the uh, the community center right outside there, there's a pavilion with our demonstration gardens. And that's where the master gardeners have a booth set up just about every market session. And they'll be out there to help answer questions, give you tours of the garden. Uh, and just uh, a good opportunity to talk about master gardeners. We're actually taking applications for the upcoming 2024 intern training program. So we'll take those applications through December 1st. Uh, and that's an outstanding opportunity For anybody that's interested in gardening for volunteering giving back to the community and to just being a part of an awesome organization we have such a phenomenal group of master gardeners here in rutherford county Uh, it's a great social opportunity for folks to meet people if you're new to the area and it doesn't matter whether you've been gardening for 30 years or if you have zero gardening experience you know this this training program is designed to cater to everybody and our members will will welcome you with open arms basically so they're great folks
1: now you mentioned intern training. What is I've never heard it called. So the that. intern what is it?
2: the title for an individual before they become a, a badge-wearing certified Tennessee Extension Master Gardener, they're called an intern, so they have a year to complete the intern training course. It's 14 weeks. It'll start in January and run through April, and then after that, they have to get 40 hours of volunteer service at one of our approved projects, so we do things all across the community. We've got classes at the St. Clair Senior Center. We've got classes over at John Rice Boulevard. We do stuff at the Farmer's Market, you know, so there's many opportunities to gain those hours, so during that period before they become certified, we refer to them as interns.
1: Okay, so in that period of what did you say 14 months well they, it's, the,
2: the class itself is 14 weeks but once they weeks, finish so that okay. class you know they have to the end of that calendar year to, to maintain and get those forty hours, and then they become a certified official green badge wearing Tennessee Extension Master Gardener, and they can brag about it for a lifetime.
1: <laughs> now, <laughs> do they continue training to learning things?
2: Yep. So every year after that, it's 25 hours of volunteer service and eight hours of continuing education. So those eight hours would include anything if you go to a UT seminar or a class, become to one of my classes. Basically, if you're learning, you have to get eight hours of learning hours each year.
1: So those are held here in town, or do you have to go out of town? Uh, for
2: a little them? bit of both. We do things like Locally here, but they can also go to one of the UT Gardens locations in Jackson, Crossville, or Knoxville. There's always seminars and garden talks there. So it's a great opportunity to travel and go on some cool field trips.
1: Now, when you go to those gardens, I, I've heard about them, but I, don't, I can't picture what it would be like. I imagine the one in Knoxville is huge. But let's say the one in Jackson, what what is it? It's just
2: as big. So the really? one yeah, it's 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 over at the West Tennessee Research and Education Center, um, just on the outskirts of Jackson. They do a lot of row crop science there, but they have outstanding ornamental beds. so they have it's kind of like a mini cheekwood. Uh, you know, they've got many, many landscaping beds, a lot of different, art installations there. They try to do something creative each year. One year they used wine bottles and they're always doing something that's creative. They have a big event there called Summer Celebration. It's held in July every year. It attracts thousands of people so and you don't have to be a master gardener to attend. If you're just interested in gardening, they do a giant plant sale there and the same can be said for Crossville. There's a fall festival usually at the end of August Then of course the UT Gardens there on campus right down the street from Dillon Stadium don't go on a Saturday in the fall. I can tell you that (laughs) (laughs) traffic's going to be you learned the hard way. (laughs) Yeah. Traffic's going to be a little rough. You know, you ever try to get out of Knoxville after a football game, you'll know, but any other day, you know, feel free to go down there. These gardens are open to the public. They're free of charge. They're an outstanding opportunity to, to learn and, and to really see some awesome sites.
1: That is the enrollment in master gardeners, the intern program, Is it limited in size? It is,
2: yes. So we are currently taking applications through December 1st. Class is about half full, so if you're interested, I would certainly encourage you to uh, go to our website, it's rutherford.tennessee.edu, and there's a gardening tab there, and from there you can download the application or you can come by and see us at 315 John Rice Boulevard. Uh, just tell tell the friendly folks up front, Nadine or, or Melissa, that you'd like an application and they will be glad to, to give you one.
1: Now, how much does it cost money? I've it met.
2: does cost money, so it's $175. And what you get with that, it, it may seem like sticker shock, but you get some ex- exceptional educational resources. You'll get a notebook that contains 14 chapters. Uh, You'll get lots of goodies, a license plate, a bag with some stuff in it. So a
1: license plate.
2: You'll get a Tennessee Master Gardener license plate once you complete the class. Though we we keep it until you finish, so we don't want people Th- driving around. This going on, on the front of you. It on the front the of the car. It, yeah.
1: It doesn't eliminate you having to buy a license.
2: No, plate. we don't have an actual Master Gardener, you know, proper tag yet, but that may be in the works. So oh, cool. Stay stay tuned for that one. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, so a word to the wise: if you are interested, uh, there is a max size. You're about half full About now. half
2: full, so come by sooner than later. And we'll take applications through December 1st. And we actually do a slight interview process. Now, this could be intimidating for folks, but essentially one of our members will call you, and they just want to get to know you, basically. So they'll do a little interview with you, and then by about mid-December, we'll make the official you know, welcome invitations to those folks that have been accepted into the program.
1: Sounds like a winner to me. It is. And uh, so don't wait around on that head on over. We have a question here from a listener who says, I have had very good luck in the past, and they underline the word past, with irises. Mm-hmm. This year, none of them bloomed. This year, they were all green. They were there. They looked healthy, but nothing happened. What could I have done wrong?
2: Nothing. I had the same problem at my house and I'm a quote, unquote expert, right? Unquote expert. But no, I think it was that freeze that we had on December 23rd. I attributed it to that. Now, I don't know for sure if that's what caused it, but iris is pretty much widespread. A lot of folks did not have blooms. could also have been the case if you transplant or move irises. Sometimes they go into a two-year, you know, it takes them two seasons to get reacclimated. So if you're dividing or splitting irises, which is, I did a lot of that last year. Um, You know, I had very few blooms now lo and behold i had an iris that was blooming last week in my garden i have really? one garden bed that's confused. in a, yeah well i think there's some varieties of iris and i've noticed around town here uh they will bloom in the fall occasionally but sometimes you know plants can be tricked into blooming in the fall because the conditions mimic springtime so much have you ever been driving around town and mm-hmm. you've seen a cherry tree yeah in full yeah. bloom in october or november you know we have the same day length hours plants are very photosensitive so the amount of daylight the weather is very sensitive to those type of things. It can force blooms. But in terms of this individual with their irises, they didn't do anything wrong. I think it was really, you know, that those plants took a beating during that December 23rd freeze. So I'm very hopeful that you're, we're going to have double the amount of blooms come wow. spring of next okay. year. <laughs> so that's my so prediction.
1: <laughs> if you uh, have iris and they did not bloom this year, it was not you. So don't beat up on yourself.
2: Don't be too hard on yourself. Absolutely.
1: Should you... Uh, divide those irises at a certain time or how often should you and tell us what does if you're new to town and have never had irises which by the way that's our state flower it is uh so it's since it's the state flower it must grow pretty well into You could put
2: an iris on top of a concrete driveway and forget about it for a year <laughs> and it would still grow which I have done believe have it you? or not okay. I have there was a situation somebody gifted me an iris and it sat in the corner of a driveway and i I forgot about it it was underneath the uh the chimney and that iris stayed living it was just fine but they're very tough every couple of years you should go in and divide them usually we'll do it late summer early fall now when um, you say
1: divide them, what what is that?
2: So irises are a tuber, so they look like a very big root system. There'll be mm-hmm. a white fleshy root system. You go in with a garden spade. You can dig, a, dip up, dig up a clump of them, and then you'll notice there'll be individual rhizomes that will have leaves coming off, and you can separate those rhizomes apart. And then they will redivide and create new clumps. And, okay. the, and if you don't divide them every few years, they get real thick and they can tend to choke each other out. So it's always a good idea to, to try to thin them out. Again? Late summer, early fall is the perfect okay. time to do it. So we've
1: passed that.
2: Uh, no, you're probably still <coughs> you're probably still okay to do it now if you need okay. to. Yeah.
1: Very good. Yeah. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. If you have a lawn or garden question or a comment, or if you uh, have a woolly worm story, we'd love to hear from you this morning. <laughs> You know, we have not heard too many woolly worm stories this year. No,
2: they've been quiet, haven't they?
1: They have been. Yep. Uh, There was a guy who was at the Ag Center for many years, Dwayne Trail, who just had phenomenal woolly worm stories, if it was (laughs) the right year. Yeah. Uh, But I remember there were some years where you just didn't see them.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen many this year, but the ones that I have seen, you usually see them crawling across the road and i yeah. always try to avoid hitting them i'm like oh no i don't want to run them over but they have been in jet black in your car
1: you can see them
2: oh yeah yeah they're they're pretty big you know they're about the size of your pinky and they are very woolly and they you know if you've never seen a woolly worm look it up online and, and it's exactly what it sounds like
1: now are they strictly from this area or are they all over the south or are they I all think over the nation they're pretty
2: prominent to the southeast Southeast, other okay. parts of the country may have them you know but definitely the southeast we we certainly have a lot of them
1: okay uh, here's a listener who's saying they have not seen many snakes this year. Mm-hmm. And they're wondering is that a sign of good weather, bad weather, or is it a sign of anything?
2: I don't know if it's related to a weather prediction. I don't I'm not sure exactly. Um, you know, but our snake populations are certainly, you know, as habitat loss is a big problem here in Rutherford County, we've got to think about what are, they, what are they eating? You know, they're eating those field mice and, and the small mammals. And as we lose those natural field habitats, we're developing them in the neighborhoods and whatnots. You know, there's fewer snakes, I think. You know, reptiles and amphibians are taking a huge hit with all the development around here. So it could be just related to they've lost their food source, so the population is certainly going to decline
1: so if they decline here would they be increasing in rural areas like cannon county up in the hills and
2: probably not you know if the, the population they're not moving that way they're not going to move out no they're pretty localized to where they're at so unfortunately if if we're losing them in a certain spot they're, they're gone forever it's not like they're going to move to a more rural spot now certainly you will get some migration but not enough to really change the populations from one spot to the next okay
1: uh and, and is that true with uh, foxes i mean i don't I'm, I'm not sure i've seen foxes around but i have friends who yeah. live in certain areas of the county and they they see foxes all the time
2: yeah i actually pulled in my driveway a few weeks ago it was late in the evening coming home from a master gardener meeting and there was a red fox that greeted me right in the driveway and i was i was fearful he was going to have one of my chickens in his mouth but he he would his mouth was empty as far as i could tell but you know the foxes certainly have moved out to the peripherals but you know i see more and more foxes here in town now as well because we have we have crossed into their realm you know we're developing in areas that historically were woodlands and grasslands and you know it's not uncommon for us to see more foxes the same is said for coyotes you know coyotes have become more of an urban type animal sure and there's a lot of fear with coyotes but I, i can You know, rest assured, you know, there's very few cases where coyotes have ever attacked humans. Occasionally, they will go after a small dog. So certainly at night, if you don't have a fence, you know, be mindful of these things. But certainly don't, I don't want people to live in fear of foxes or coyotes, because they're certainly a wonderful asset to our biological communities here in Middle Tennessee.
1: I remember uh, doing radio shows here in the mid-80s, I guess it was. And we would have people calling in uh from around the Caseon Lane area, mm-hmm. which at that time was it's a rural land. area. Yeah. Uh, and they were talking about how they could hear coyotes yeah. uh screaming or whatever they call it they at howl nighttime at night, howling yeah. at night. And I'm thinking of cowboy movies <laughs> <laughs> Roy Rogers and all that. It's a little stuff.
2: unnerving. I live out in Rockvale out in the country there toward Eagleville and it at nighttime there's two packs and they compete. They'll try to out howl each other. Uh so it's you know when I first moved out there, it was a little unnerving, but now I appreciate the sound of the howling.
1: <laughs> Let's take a call. Good morning. You're on the air with Justin Stefanski. How are you today? I tell you, I, hold on just a second. I, I, we have some new telephone equipment, and I did that wrong. Let's try it this way. Let's try it now. Okay. Yeah, that's much better. That's much
0: better. Yeah, I just want to know about these armadillos. They, they just dig mm-hmm. my yard up all the time.
1: You know, I'm glad you said that because I'm seeing my yard uh, dug up, and I thought it was mold. So is, could it be it armadillos? It could be,
2: absolutely be armadillos. I actually have some that live in a hole out in my back field, and they make a heck of a mess, don't they? You know, they'll go in and they'll yeah. they'll snout around every night, and you'll, you'll go out the next morning, and it looks like someone has taken about baseball size chunks of your soil and your grass and just they, they will they yeah. look for grubs and for worms you know the, the they're very hard to trap you know they've done studies how can we live trap them um, they're notoriously difficult to get rid of unfortunately and the, the best practice to get rid of them is exclusion so if you see where they're living in a den or a nest or even sometimes living under a garden shed you know using hardware cloth or some type of a wire to keep them out do you know where they're living at have you been able to determine if they're living out in your yard
0: I really don't know. There's a big barn right behind me, it's got a lot of hay in it.
2: And that could be I a possible be source. Yep, absolutely. So I would go out there and try to scout around. I mean, usually they live in dens in the ground or but they could live around the foundation of the barn or somewhere out there and basically just trying to make it unappealing for them to live there and that will help it get oh, what would he do? Well, like I said, if you can if you can exclude them from entering those areas. Oh you okay. know, either you know getting the and it's a barn so it's hard to, to totally seal up but certainly if they're living under a foundation or somewhere around the the edges of the barn but you know armadillos are really hard to get rid of unfortunately I've been fighting it for 2 years at my place and no success They are here. <laughs> they are here and and you know, their range has changed. You know we used to not see them you yeah. know 20 years ago there wasn't an armadillo in Tennessee but now there's there I'm glad
1: you mentioned that sir cuz uh, I I had thought it was moles but i didn't see the mole runs yeah. i just see the dug up
2: place absolutely
1: so uh not a whole lot Doesn't not a whole
2: it. lot but exclusion if you can figure out where they're at in the den you know if you can go in there and get rid of them i hate to say that but mm-hmm. that,
0: they don't ever come out in daylight
2: they do not often. no they're nighttime pests for sure interesting thank well, you Talk to you, buddy. Well, you. I wish I had a smoking gun answer for you, but unfortunately, they're there are nuisance pests and they're hard to get rid of. <laughs> Thank
1: you for calling. I, I, this is totally off the subject, but I went to see that. I think it was 1937 Dracula, which is showing uh, at the theater right now over at the Premier Six. I, it was showing the other night. And I I went to see it. Interesting movie, and it was inter- and it was clear as can be. I mean, wow. it's it's the original. They had uh, digitized it, I guess because the picture was good, the sound was good. It had armadillos really? coming out. I, I guess they were they look spooky anyway. they
2: do they're an odd looking animal aren't they
1: And they were coming out of uh, out at night yep uh, and coming through the castle and <laughs> all sorts of things. So if you have armadillos, uh that's something that's obviously this guy wasn't the first to discover he's
2: not the first and he won't be the last yeah but exclusion is really key and that goes for any backyard nuisance pest. you know anything that's living under a shed or under a garden outbuilding or something like that if you can use wire bury it in the ground a couple inches and that will help exclude them you basically don't want your yard to be an appealing place for them to build a den or have a nest basically All right.
1: we will be back in just a moment the final segment of our broadcast Justin Stefanski with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. If you have a question or a comment for Justin, or if you have a just want to talk, call us. Maybe you have some solutions that you found for armadillo issues.
0: We got some good neighbors and we like bragging on them. Nominate a good neighbor every day. Put it in writing on WTNS. WTNS. AM, AM, AM. FM. FM, FM online. online. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come and see us for all your garden needs. We have everything
2: you need to help that garden grow, and we also have what you need for landscaping and your lawns. We have black and brown mulch in bulk. Please come see us. And as always, don't forget us for all your gifts, clothing, and pet needs. This is Tina Fox. Your Co-op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church.
0: We'll see if you spotty rain showers possible late this afternoon. Partial sunshine develops a high in the low 70s, southwest winds at 10 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vojchitski on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 58.
1: Welcome back. We're having a party this morning. I want to say happy birthday to Jack Gritton. Jack is our winner of that delicious banana pudding from the Slick Pig Barbecue. Also. Congratulations to Anthony Fishback. Anthony is our good neighbor of the day, receives flowers from Jenny Harrison and the family at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts. The person who nominated Anthony Fishback says that he always loves people for who they are, never judging and showing people the right way. Anthony Fishback, positive person sounds like. Let us know about your good neighbors. Send us their name, address, and phone number. Tell us why they should be the good neighbor. Justin Stefanski is with us, as we mentioned earlier. And we were talking uh, just among ourselves during that last break about uh, some of the issues that are happening with the armadillos and stuff like It's hard to, if you live in the city area, Now that guy must live sort of in the country like if he has are. a barn. Yeah. Uh, but if you live in the city it's harder to uh, to guess where are they
2: it is it's harder to pinpoint exactly where they're at but odds are they're probably living somewhere near woods or somewhere around the edge of a field you know in my case i have a couple acres out back and there's a nice big open field and i found the den i mean it is actually you know it's a it's a pretty large opening it's probably about a well they're a good size
1: and animals. they're a good size
2: animal yeah uh, so they, they usually will live in subterranean dens but they can certainly live in structures or under structures but it is it's very hard to pinpoint exactly where they're coming from in an urban setting
1: i've heard and i don't know if it's accurate you probably know that they carry some dread disease they can
2: be a, a vector for for certain diseases yeah you don't necessarily want to pick them up if you if you see them i don't know exactly which no, they're not cute and cuddly they're not no they're, they're <laughs> definitely they're no koala bear that's for sure
1: so uh, so, stay uh, stay away from them, really. Yeah. But I mean, don't get close and personal.
2: Yeah, and the odds of you actually getting close and personal are few and far between because they're are very they... skittish. They're very, okay. they, like I said, they're nocturnal, so you're not going to see them during the day. The closest thing you'll ever see to a lot of them is is dead on the side of the road, unfortunately.
1: Why is that?
2: I think they are they are very poor sighted. Uh, you know, they they're used to using their nose. They smell out insects and grubs. So, you know, when they're crossing the road, they really can't see far away. So. They don't even see you coming, and unfortunately, a lot of them do get hit by cars.
1: Somebody said that they were not real sharp, that they would stand in the road and wait for you to pass, and they would get scared as you drove over them. You yeah. may not have hit them, but they would jump up.
2: They do that as well, yeah. A lot of times, they don't see the vehicle, so they'll freeze. They can hear it. They don't see it, and they do. They can. They, they actually go into a ball-like structure, and they can actually bounce up a little bit. So
1: And that kills
2: them that when they absolutely. hit the car unfortunately
1: i just found out i was checking about the armadillo
2: leprosy leprosy i thought that may have been it yeah
1: i mean you don't hear about that in except bible verses and yep and, stuff. and i mean and, i i've never known somebody with
2: leprosy and if you ever go to hawaii do not touch sea turtles which i made that mistake you know sea i was turtles? sea turtles yeah i was at a resort in hawaii a few years ago and they vector leprosy and sure enough you know i was in the water swimming and i saw a giant sea turtle. And I couldn't pass up the opportunity to grab onto the back of it. And I did, and it, it took me for a little ride. But then I got out of the water and I read a sign It says, Do not touch sea turtles. They vector leprosy. And I was like, Oh, oh this was no. a bad decision for Justin. As Justin can brought tell, back I'm, to Tennessee? Yeah, <laughs> I'm leper free as far as I can tell right now. So, but yeah, oh,
1: that's a scary thing to <laughs> it, think it
2: about. Is. Yeah, leprosy is a, like you said, it's a biblical thing, but it is. Yeah, it's, it's a nasty disease if you get it.
1: Well, before we go today, what is it? Four minutes left in the program. There's so much we need to cover. I want to remind people about tomorrow being the third from the final farmer's market.
2: Come by and see us. We'll now, have what are they going to find there? You know, they'll have fruit trucks. They'll have artisans on one side of the community center, and of course your traditional farm crops and flowers and all the other wonderful meats and honeys on the other side. So it'll be Friday, Tuesday, and next Friday. And then that is it for the season. We won't have another market again till May of next year
1: now are there going to still be plants for sale like shrubs trees yes and yep. is it too late to plant
2: them? no this is the perfect time of year to plant those type of things so anytime in the fall early winter as long as the ground isn't frozen this is the optimal planting time for our, our shrubs flowers trees things like that
1: so if you are needing to plant uh, or do some decorating around the house uh, adding some shrubbery Perfect time. Should you Perfect water time. it? or is...
2: Yeah, a little bit of water on the front end, but then once they go completely dormant, you don't have to worry about it too much. Uh, but this is the optimal time to do any big plane, things like that.
1: And before we leave, let's remind people again, You mentioned that December 1st is the deadline. The deadline for
2: Master Gardener applications. So that class, again, will start in January. uh, And we'll be taking applications through December 1st. And the cost is $175. And uh, I'd certainly encourage you, if you're interested in volunteering, giving back to the community, learning a lot, and and fellowshipping with some wonderful folks, uh, Master Gardeners is a great opportunity.
1: And if you have a desire to really be in that program, uh, it is limited. So if you (laughs) go over to the Lane agripark and fill out a form and hand it in personally, your chances are a lot better.
2: Absolutely.
1: So uh, head over there. While you're there. I'm sorry, uh,
2: my allergies are so bad this time of year. Uh,
1: while you're over there, though, get t- take a look at the soil, the plots of grass.
2: Hmm, excuse me.
1: You need some bee <coughs> polliners. Oh, hoodie, goodness. Something like that.
2: The weather gets me year. Yeah, but Mitchell Moat has some wonderful turf plots there. Uh, certainly check those out.
1: Okay, sounds like uh, the show is ending at the right
2: time. <laughs> it is.
1: Uh, Justin Stefanski is with us this morning from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service and seriously um, this is a, a, a allergy issue this uh, I've, I've had terrible. this problem uh, and I've run into a lot of people with allergies. Uh, seriously, I was talking to Zane Cantrell and Zane says use local.
2: Honey. I do. Yeah. And and he said... Not using enough, apparently.
1: Well, and he's talking about, you know, people say within the next county or so, that's okay if you can, if that's as good as you can get, but he said if you can... Within five miles. Absolutely. So. <laughs>
2: oh, goodness uh, gracious. Uh, Sorry,
1: folks. Hang around here. Get okay. Off. We better uh, go before we spread germs or something. It's not germs. It's just, uh, it's uncomfortable.
2: Uh, everybody have a super rest of the day.